A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, before we jump into this episode, I just want to let you know that Zach's phone at the start of this story is not great. Unfortunately, we are dealing with the United States prison system and the phone lines are not really high on their list of priorities to make sure they're high quality, especially for a podcast. So if you can push through at the start, I promise you the phone line improves. Hello, and welcome back to One Mirror Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Firstly, if this is your very first time checking out OMR, then thank you, truly, truly thank you so much for coming and giving us a listen. I know there is a plethora of podcasts out there that you could be listening to, so the fact you're listening to us... Thank you so much indeed. Before we do jump into the episode, a little bit of quick housekeeping. Now, don't forget, we do have a private Facebook group that you can join right now. As I record this, we've got almost 5,000 people, all fantastic human beings. It's a great little community that we've built, uh, and I just love it. So come and join us. I'm in there regularly answering questions and chatting to people. So join us there. And also, if you like the show, well, I would love it very much if you could give us a rating and a review. It helps us be found by other people who also love true crime. But anyway, enough of that, because today it is time to kick off part one of the story of Zachary Peterson. Hello, this is a call from... Zach. An offender at the Jefferson City Correctional Center. This call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. To accept this call, press 1. The story of Zach Peterson is one that involves something called the felony murder rule. It's quite a controversial rule that has come up against a lot of criticism and scrutiny around the world. It's a law that has seen many people convicted of murders that they did not in fact commit. And Zach says he's one of those people. My name is Zachariah Peterson. I'm incarcerated uh, in uh, Missouri penitentiary uh, down here in Charleston, Missouri. I've been convicted of second-degree felony murder. I was sentenced to 30 years. I've been incarcerated for 13. We're going to get into the weeds of this rule and what it means very soon, but before we do that, as always, we need to start from the very beginning. Zachary Peterson's family life, unfortunately for one minute remaining, is nothing unusual. An unstable childhood with parents that suffered from addiction parents that struggled to look after themselves, let alone trying to raise children. Zach would spend his younger years with his mother until eventually the alcohol and drug abuse became too much and she was deemed unfit to take care of her children. So we bounced around from like 
battered women's shelters and Section 8 housing, stuff like that. Well, when I got about seven years old, uh, my mom become unfit as a parent. So me and my sister were actually taken by the foster care system for about a year. And then my mom had became sober and then went through the process of getting us back to the courts. We came back for her. And then a year later, uh, another incident occurred where we were taken again and sent to foster care for another year. And then uh, she did the whole process, got us back. And then um, from that point on, uh, we still continue to bounce around from different housing authorities and sex and housing programs and whatnot. And um, I was about 10 years old. We got kind of settled in South Minneapolis. And uh, that's when I really started to get my friends and my social my social community going on and whatnot. And then uh, I started to get into trouble. Started to like stealing bikes, like selling drugs. And I was like cooking baked crack cocaine, selling on the streets and riding around on stolen bikes through the trouble. So. So at just 11 years old, Zach tells me that he's taught by a friend how to make imitation crack cocaine, a process that he did talk me through, but for obvious reasons, I have chosen to remove this. So he would make up these pills of this imitation crack, jump on his bike and ride to where he knew the consumers of this drug hung out and began to sell it. Was that just more of a survival thing than anything to just try and make some money? Yeah, basically. I mean, who was really that... That plentiful. Yeah. yeah, I used to go to the grocery store and steal lunchables. You know what I mean? I, my, I wasn't really monitored a lot when I was young. I used to be, I wouldn't go to school. My mom wouldn't even know about it. Not that she didn't care, but it's like she didn't even know. Like I wouldn't go to school and I just roam the streets. I'd be by myself. I'd go to the grocery store and steal me some lunchables and go over to a friend's house and me and plot on how to get some bikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then grab a couple of those things I was telling you about that I was making and then go to the neighborhood and dump those off and then go buy me a little sack of weed, stuff like that. Yeah, it was more like a survival uh, lifestyle maintainer, if you want to call it that, something like that. Zach says during his childhood, there was rarely an occasion where he didn't have concerns. Concerns that no child should ever really have, like how his mother was going to pay the rent or where money was coming from for groceries. Not only this, but Zach says on many occasions he would have to in fact step in to protect his own mother when he was just a child from situations that she inevitably had created herself. There wasn't no too much security. So without that security, there was anxiety. And then that produces, you know, uh, uh, you know basically unsettling uncomfortability. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then there was a lot of incidents where, like, you know, my mom, she used to party. So we'd be out with her, and then she would turn all the way up and start throwing chairs and breaking tables and tossing refrigerators, you know what I mean? And we were real young. We were like, damn, mom, chill out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was more so like trying to maintain from it getting out of control outside of what it already was. And that was young, young. Yeah. I mean, like eight, nine, waking up, mom's tripping with everybody in the house. 
I got to get up and make sure don't nobody trip with her. So I'm playing a protective role. You know what I mean? I'm a young pup. I can't even develop. I can't even develop, you know what I mean, the, the development that I needed. My development was arrested. If, if, if I sit back and really think about it, you know, arrested development is where, you know, you basically don't accrue the necessary life skills that you need through your upbringing, you know what I mean? Because you can't concern yourself with being a child. You're more so concerned with trying to adjust and adapt to a circumstance. So what of his father? Well, much like Zach's mother, his father also suffered from his own addiction problems. However, at one stage, he would in fact move to live with his father. But this wouldn't last too long. Uh, he was like kind of in the picture. He was more like off and on. He, he, he had his own addiction. My, my dad, he was addicted to crack cocaine for about 25 years. My first 25 years of life. So uh, he would bounce back and forth out of my life. But uh, around the time when I was about 13, uh, he had come to get me to go live with him because right. I was getting in so much trouble where I was at with my mom. So he came to get me when I was starting to live with him. And he was staying at a motel room with me and five of my other siblings, him and his wife, in a two-bed motel room. I don't know why they thought that was a better fit for me than my mom's apartment, but okay. When I got with him... Uh, I started to do a little bit better because he was more disciplinary than my mom was. See, my mom didn't really believe in spanking your kids and whatnot. But when I got with my dad, he's real big on that. Get out of pocket. He's coming with the belt. You know, he's one of those parents. Right. And uh, when I got with him, I guess that uh, disciplinary threat, threat had me more uh, influenced to be good. So I started, you know, getting good grades in school. I started to be a little better, but I was supposed to be allowed to go back to my mom's house on the weekends. And there'd be times where he wouldn't allow that to happen. Well, I would just run away. And that happened quite a few times. He chased me down, find me, <clears throat> slapped me up, you know, all that good stuff. So I had that, that old song to dance for a while. Finally, he just gave up on me being rebellious and wanting to go live with my mom where I could do what I wanted to do. And instead of being around him, I was having to be good type thing. So, uh, yeah, I went back to my mom when I was about 14, 15, and I got back into school and whatnot, and then I uh, kind of started to fall into the pattern that I was in before. I started smoking weed and uh, being uh, uh, truant at school, not going to school, staying at home, just being really irresponsible. Zach had really no direction in life. Although he says to me at one stage he did have aspirations of working in the music industry. In fact, his own father was at one point a professional drummer, playing for some rather big bands in the United States. But he says that really his main focus in life was just the day-to-day, getting by and surviving. At 18, he would make his own decision to go back to his father's and in fact for a brief moment would begin to get his life back on track. I lived that life for a while until I was about 18, and then uh, I finally got re-in contact with my dad. He was staying down here in Missouri, Columbia, Missouri, and I was looking for a new setting, a new environment. I was kind of tired of being in trouble and really not progressing, so I thought I'd come down here to a new setting, a new environment. So I came down here to live with him when I was 19, and everything was going good. I got me a job and uh, found me a girlfriend. We got us an apartment. And then uh, we were doing good. I ended up uh, 
having a child with her like the first year we were together. And uh, I was finding out kind of difficult to find employment up here at some point in time. So I started to sell weed. And I was doing that for about a year and a half or so. And then that's in uh, this case, the guy that uh, is the victim on this case, he was actually somebody that I used to sell weed to. Right. And uh, one, one afternoon, he had uh, contacted me to get a large amount of marijuana from a connection that I knew. So I had met up with him and his partners and, uh, you know, tried to facilitate the drug deal with him. At 22, Zach is now back selling marijuana. And one man who he would sell to was a 31-year-old James Leon Porter, who Zach says at one point tells him that he wants to purchase a larger quantity of marijuana, a quantity that Zach couldn't supply. But he knew a guy who could. On January 18th, 2011, police say that Zach Peterson picks up James Porter in his blue Chevy Tahoe in which to drive to the Sunset Trailer Park, which is located off Lenoir Street in South Columbia, which runs parallel with Highway 63. Just before 2pm, police say that Zach and the victim arrived at the trailer park. Two middlemen in a drug deal that would go bad. A witness from the trailer park would testify that they saw two men fighting in the vehicle and then one man fall from the truck as the truck then sped away. At 2.13, a witness who would later testify at trial calls 911 to inform police that he's heard gunshots coming from the trailer park in which he lives. Another 911 call, which would be placed around the same time, stated that a black male was lying in a pool of blood outside a trailer. Local news organisation 13KRCG initially reported that police were unsure if the man had been shot or stabbed. A police spokeswoman would state that the initial call came out that it was a stabbing and it would be hard to tell until the autopsy, but there was no immediate evidence in the area to say one way or another. It would, however, later be discovered that the victim had been shot no less than five times. Zach talks me through his version of events from that day. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I ended up bringing him over to the resident of the individual that had what he was looking for and dropped him off there and let him do his thing, let them figure it out. You know, they was, they was doing, they was weighing the weed and counting the money and all that. I had my own affair to conduct. So I left him, him and burnt out and did my thing. Then I got a call later on saying that something went down and that my friend James ended up getting shot. But they never told me what happened. So the dudes, the dudes that, that I went to go drop him off at, they ended up disappearing after that. And the dudes that I was with, that I left with, they were on some intimidation stuff. Like, look here, man. You know it goes down if you if you try to do anything close to telling on us about anything. So you know I was like I didn't do it I wasn't there so yeah that's my friend and whatnot and I hate what happened to him had happened but I couldn't do anything about it. They they was driving a vehicle that I was driving at some point in time and that's the vehicle that it happened in. You take this guy around to meet these other people. Is he going into a pl- Is he going to a house or is he getting to another car? Uh, he goes. He goes to a trailer. And then, and then you leave, go across town to somewhere else. Right. So then, and then, while you're uh, obviously nowhere near what's going on, you get told that um, that this person that you dropped off has been shot. Correct. See, I was going over to the connections house to get my own loan because yep. I had business to take care of myself. Right. So when we get there. They want to count the money. They want to weigh the weed. They want to do all that. Well, the dude that I'm coming to meet, he's got business out of town. So when we get there, James and the other guy, they want to go through the whole process of weighing things up and counting the money and all that. That's time consuming. i got somebody waiting on me on the other side of town, and then he's trying to get out of town so he can go handle his business. So I'm like, look, man, I'm just going to leave y'all here so y'all can do y'all things. And we're going to go cross town and handle this business. You know what I'm saying? Left him there, and I ended up leaving. Okay. I think it's fair to say we probably need to do a little recap here to make sure everyone's following because it is a little confusing. So Zach is saying that he picks up James in this Chevy Tahoe and then drives with James to the trailer park where they are to meet Zach's contact who has then placed James in contact with someone else to do this deal for the 30 pounds of marijuana. So we have four people in total. When they arrive, James and the man that he is buying from want to count the money and weigh the drugs to ensure everything is above board. Meanwhile, Zach and his contact need to be elsewhere. Zach's contact, in fact, needs to leave town in order to buy more product. 
In the meantime, Zach has another deal that he has set up across town. So Zach and his contact leave and they jump into Zach's contact's car. So the Chevy Tahoe, Zach says, is left at the trailer park. During the drive across town, Zach's contact gets a phone call from his man, who is called apparently JD. I jumped in the car with the homie Tony. We went to the location to do the other deal. On the way to the location is when we got the call saying that something happened. He was yelling, the dude's name was JD. Right? He's like, JD, JD, what's up? But he was trying to tell him our location so he can meet us. And then the phone, I guess, went out or something. He kept repeating his name, trying to get his attention, right? So we like, man, we over here, come meet us over here. So we turn around, trying to drive around, see if we can see him or figure out what's going on, you know what I'm saying? Get a hold of him. Couldn't do any of that. So I'm like, man, we might as well go to the location and wait there on it because he don't know where we at. Obviously, he ain't answering the phone. So we go to location, and then I guess he gets a call to go pick up JD or whatever. So he goes and burns out and leaves me at the location. Right. So I'm waiting on him to talk back to me, holler back at me. I never hear anything, so I end up going to the house, my house. Zach is told by the guy driving the car that James has been shot. And this is when he's told to keep his mouth shut. When you say you were, you got a bit of intimidation from someone, is that the person who you dropped James off to? No, that was the dude that I was with. See, I dropped James off at the residence, but there was a couple of people there. My connection and then his partner. Right. You know okay. what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I left James with his partner, and I left with the homie, my connection. So when he got the call from his partner saying that things went south, he turned to me and was like, look, man, I don't know what you got going on. You know what I mean? Basically accusing me of, uh, of being shysty. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, you brought this dude over here. I don't know what y'all got going on, but something happened back to the spot and uh, the homie had to smoke your boy again. You know what I mean? Basically what he said. Right. And uh, I'm like, I'm, of course, I'm in panic. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he's like, man, look, check me out. This was after he had dropped me off. So he didn't even know everything. He dropped me off at the spot where I went to that I ended up going back to my house waiting on a call from one of them to go get the vehicle to figure out what's going on, all that. But later on, I get the call. And I'm like, where, 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 where the homie at? You know what I'm saying? Where everybody at? What's going on? He's like, look, man, everybody's ducked off. Everybody's chilling, man. I'm just going to tell you this, man. If anybody asks you anything, you don't know us at all. You don't know us at all. You don't know anything about anything. And you already know what goes down if you do. And of course, yeah, i seen they just, I'm assuming that they just put the homie down. They know where my family stay at. They know all of that. You know I mean, I, I, my hands are tied. I can't do anything to try to smooth things out with, with my French people. You know what I'm saying? Then I get the law on my heels. Now I got a whole other bag of tricks going on. You know what I'm saying? At 6.09pm, the police had no suspects and very little to go on. However, at midday on the 19th the following day, police would identify the victim as 31-year-old Columbia man James Leon Porter. As soon as James Porter is identified by police as their victim, they would speak with his sister, who would then tell them the last time she'd seen James, he'd been with Zach Peterson in the blue Chevy Tahoe and by 1.30pm on the same day had released the name and photograph of Zach Peterson as their main suspect. 
the testimony that they that they submitted was correct. I mean, they did see me with uh with Porter in that vehicle, and I did bring him over to the trailer park. But what they tried to accuse me of at the trailer park, which it wasn't even that trailer park. There was two trailer parks. There was mm. one in the location where the incident occurred, and there was another one that was down the street, which was called Edge Trailer Park. That's where we had went to to conduct this situation. Right. And that's where I had leaving the vehicle with J.D. and Porter and ended up leaving with Tony to go across town. So you didn't take him to the Sunset Trailer Park, which on... Yeah, Lenore Street. Lenore Street. Yeah, Lenore Street. I I was never there. Right, so you you went to a different trailer park and he was killed at Sunset Trailer Park. Correct. So where did you drop him at? Which trailer park? I dropped him off at Edge Trailer Park, which is about maybe a mile down the road. Right. Not, Not down the road of Lenore Street, I believe. I think Lenore Street might have been adjacent. Right. Uh, if you kept going down that uh, that roadway, there was another trailer park that was associated maybe with Sunset, I'm not sure, but yeah, it was down the road. As previously mentioned, Zach would become the police's main suspect quite quickly. In fact, the day after, on the 19th of January, they would put out a statement to the public asking for assistance in locating his whereabouts. They'd state that Zach was known to have violent tendencies and should be considered armed and dangerous. Zach, at the time, in fact, had an active warrant for his arrest, stemming from a traffic stop and a high-speed chase involving the Chevy Tahoe. On December 8th the previous year, Zach was pulled over by a traffic officer performing school zone enforcement. I guess I was going like two or three miles past the speed limit uh, in a school zone. I seen the police officer, so I tried to hit the brakes. I guess uh, he didn't care. So he ended up pulling me over. Uh, he comes up, asks me for my ID and whatnot, and he says that he smells marijuana. So uh, he goes, checks my ID, comes back. He tells me to take my glasses off and then has to do this old uh, field test, stick my tongue out and close my eyelids, and he says that, uh, oh, I look suspicious. So he goes back to his car calls for backup. Well, I had some paraphernalia in the vehicle, so I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I got to go. So he comes back up to the vehicle, and he attempts to open the vehicle. I guess he didn't realize that the vehicle was still running. So I put it in drive, bam, speed off. They run back to their vehicle. I start swerving, doing my thing, trying to get away. He's going uh, eastbound at Earl, continuing uh, southbound. A chase would follow. However, the pursuit was called off due to the risk involved from his apparent dangerous driving. Speed right now is 50 miles an hour. Swerve by Sam 33, terminate that chase. And uh, I ended up uh, driving all the way to my kid's mom's mom's house. And uh, I, didn't, I thought they were right behind me when I did. So I drove to the, to the, the front yard, parked the vehicle, just jumped out and ran. Stripped off my coat and my, and my shirt and then went into the woods. And then I ended up coming out into an apartment complex. And then I had uh, ran up to somebody's door. And uh, knocked on. I was like, "Man, somebody's trying to jump me, man. Can I come? Up? Can I come inside and use your phone?" And uh, yeah, he let me use his phone. And then I guess I called my dad. And police were everywhere. They even pulled him over. Like, we know you're coming to get your son. This, that, and the third. 
So I ended up staying at the guy's house for like two, three hours, and then later on, my sister came and got me. And then ended up going out to Minnesota. They, they never ended up catching me. It wasn't until I caught this case until they put out a warrant because they had no evidence that I was actually associated with this crime. So they used that incident as means to get a warrant to keep me in county jail so that they could search for the vehicle. So it's fair to say things aren't looking great for Zach. Zach tells me the night of this murder, he would in fact find out the police were looking for him. So he would actually call them himself. I had called the police when I heard that they were looking for me. I was on my way to turn myself in to get to the bottom of this. I'm like, what am I going to run for? I got no reason to run. You know what I mean? So I'm like, man, I heard you guys are looking for me. What's up? Okay, cool. I'm going to go get my attorney and I'm going to come talk to y'all. But police were not going to wait for Zach to voluntarily hand himself in and would get a tip-off on his location, and they move in. I was uh, walking down the street uh, coming from a gas station. I went to a gas station to get a newspaper to see what what was going on, see what what had happened. And uh, as I was coming from the gas station, I was walking over a bridge, and I guess somebody shot me and contacted the police, and then they ended up uh, blocking off the bridge that I was walking on, basically cornering me and arresting me. Thursday evening on January 20th, after police have taken Zach into custody, they would offer a reward for the public's assistance in locating the missing blue Chevy Tahoe, which they believed at the time was linked to the murder of James Porter. Zach says that prior to his arrest, he had been told where the truck was and in fact had gone to try and recover it. But when he arrived, he noticed there was blood and decided to leave it where it was. The car was damaged during the incident. The shooter ended up driving, I guess, through a pathway, which is like a yard in the trailer park, and it had like trailer stakes standing up. Well, the back right tire or the back left tire, one or two, had ended up catching one of those and ended up catching a flat. So that car was incapacitated somewhere in a driveway somewhere. Right. That's what he ended up finding there in a driveway. So that car wasn't even mobile. So well, that's the only reason why I was still on there. He was trying to figure out, man, what's going on, man? Y'all got the vehicle? Yep. Y'all saying the homie didn't got shot? I mean, what's up? And they like, man, here go your vehicle over here, man. It's, it's got a flat tire. So I, I ended up going to the vehicle to where it was at. And it had it had blood in it and all that shit. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, what am I supposed to do with this? So I just leave it there. You know what I mean? I just leave it there. I don't want anything to do with the incident. You know what I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be covering up any evidence or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? So I left it there. The request for public assistance would pay off, as at around 8.30am on Friday morning, now three days after the murder had occurred, police receive a call to Crime Stoppers that would lead officers to the missing vehicle. At about 8.30pm that same evening, police announced that they had officially charged Zach with second-degree murder, stating that he also faced charges of criminal action, resisting arrest and third-degree assault. 
and he would be held in Boone County Jail. You have one minute remaining. Should I call you right back? Would it be okay to just give me 40 minutes? Just got to quickly get my my kid to school and then rush back. And that's all we've got time for. But coming up in our next episode, Zach is going to trial. And in fact, some evidence that is brought by the prosecution ends up helping Zach in his own defence. That's what they're saying in trial. Who else could it be, the jury? Uh, who else could it be? They, they don't know we're about to present a phone expert that's about to undermine this inadequate assessment of these pinging towers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. ...that this phone was doing at the time. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mashed Pumpkin production created, hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Audio and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans of Earsay. Listener.